Welcome to a special episode of Cinebabble. Uh, we are here to discuss the movie on everybody's minds uh, right before we record our 50th episode. Clint, uh, tell everybody hello and tell them what we just watched. Hi, um, everyone. I'm here with Ken, and it's really wonderful <laughs> to be here. <laughs> I don't know. I felt very off guard when we started. I don't know why. Oh, well, yeah. it's because I didn't do this Cinebabble episode. Maybe. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You yeah. threw me for a loop there. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Ken, we we watched Batman. What the Batman? The Batman. We not, watched not the just Batman. some ordinary Batman. No, the Batman. The Batman. I was very tempted. I recently got a full Batman costume from <laughs> our local bookstore for some reason. Mm-hmm. They had it, and it was for like fourteen dollars. Like I cannot pass it up, and I almost showed up in it just <laughs> just for your enjoyment. I feel like that would have been very enjoyable, but I think you might have overheated. Uh, part of the way through this recording. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. It was pretty breathable. It's all right. I like your ambition, even (laughs) if you just fell short and didn't follow through with it. Yeah. It's all mental ambition, no follow through. So, So Clint and I watched The Batman and we have not really discussed it with each other. No, uh, you had to leave immediately, immediately after. Immediately after yeah. for, for a different meeting. And um, uh, But you could tell just from our, our brief exchanges that we were both really itching to talk about this thing. So we decided to do a bonus episode. Who knows? Maybe we both hated it. We're about to find out. I know. <laughs> we're so enthusiastic about I like know. talking about how much we hate it. <laughs> Clint, what did you think of the Batman? The credits rolled. What was what was your brain? Um, I'm just gonna. I loved it. Awesome. Like I think it's my favorite Batman. Yeah. yeah, I think it nailed everything that I wanted out of a Batman movie. Yeah. And went beyond that. Like I, I was happy. Like when they were talking about it, it's going to be a detective story. Yep. And so I was had a lot of hope. And Matt Reeves was uh, the director, which I've really enjoyed all his movies. So I had a lot of hope going in. And I've been a big fan of Pat Robert Pattinson recently from, I think maybe Rover was the first movie that really grabbed me yeah. that he did. Yeah. And so I've been really following his career since then, and I've been excited about it. And so I had a lot of hope going in, and it definitely met that. I'm 100% with you. Awesome. I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, and really, the the unspoken elephant in the room uh, going into this movie is, is it going to be better than The Dark Knight or not? I yeah. was pretty sure because just being a, f- a fan of Matt Reeves and everybody involved, I'm going to like this movie. Mm-hmm. Chances are good. I mean, they'd really have to, to kind of fumble here for me not to like it. Is it going to best Batman Begins? Is it going to best The Dark Knight for me? And and honestly, I, I know it's only been one viewing, but this really did. Yeah. This feels like the most cohesive Batman movie I I think that's ever been put out there. It's so it, cohesive. Uh, like it flows yeah. so naturally. Yep. Like when it goes through the mystery and brings in the characters so naturally. Like mm-hmm. just like from just filmmaking, like any it could be any movie, but it yeah. just like it, it it just like was so well constructed yeah. as a story. This felt like reading a really good graphic novel. It was yeah. paced like that. Mm-hmm. And it took time to even have subplots and side stories. Yep. And uh you would just sort of disappear from the Riddler storyline for a while to follow kind of the Penguin storyline. But it was all still connected yeah. in a natural way through that detective story. I know. And I love that the, the I had read that it was a detective story, mm-hmm. but this is full on, this is seven. Oh, yeah. But where Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt are Batman and Commissioner Gordon. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a legitimate detective flick yeah. uh, with with a, a serial killer vibe to it. And I was I was really impressed with just the the patience they had. A lot of restraint that I yeah. really yeah, admired. Just letting that story unfold mm-hmm. because they didn't follow the the typical action movie plot of okay, it's been 10 minutes. The yep. kids in the seats need an action scene. Yeah. There were entire stretches of film where there's there's nothing in the way of traditional action mm-hmm. or superhero action. It was just dark, noir, uh, detective, hard-boiled, you know, this, that, and the other. Yeah, I was so—I loved the world. I yeah. loved the look of Gotham. It was a nice mix between, like, the Tim Burton, where it's kind of it's kind of surreal and it's very gothic and that, like, kind of 19— 19- like a 1920s Chicago mm-hmm. that is run down yeah. and like it has the all the metal um like construction of the buildings and stuff and yeah. and um um it's just so well thought out that it feels like a lived in city this is one of the first times that i feel as if 
Gotham would produce Batman yeah. and would produce these criminals mm-hmm. uh, of, of this variety. Uh, it, it's always been so reliant on uh, the death of Bruce Wayne's parents mm-hmm. to produce him becoming Batman. And this doesn't even really touch that. I mean, it does, but it's much more about the city and mm-hmm. what the city requires and what the environment around Bruce Wayne drives him to in his need for vengeance and things like that. And uh yeah, and to not be a vigilante. E- and not even just him, but like the villains every and like Catwoman, yeah. like um it it definitely makes it very clear why they're doing why the, what they're doing and yeah. why they are the way they are because it's just this is a gritty gritty city and it's, it's oppressively dark yeah honestly this whole film is i i would imagine somebody will criticize it for being too dark but there's such an artful play of yeah. of shadow and light mm-hmm. and it really it's and color not to get to the end to but colored. it really it it brings it in not just thematically, but it touches on exactly why it uh, why it's that way and and what it's trying to say with that use of darkness and light. And I was just uh, long story short, I was I was completely impressed. Yeah, I I think probably the best way. Why don't we kind of break it down piece by piece? Sounds great. And work our way through because I have some questions for you, and and you can fire some back at me too. Okay. But I want to start and just focus in on a couple of characters. Okay. Um, first and foremost, let's talk about Batman, Bruce yeah. Wayne, Robert Pattinson. Uh, this is the first Batman movie that I felt like. Like the villain did not steal the show. Yeah. I feel as if Batman was the main character mm-hmm. and in a very good way. Um, and it's it's something where from from the performance on down, there's there's such a a despair and a and a grit and a almost a, a neediness to uh-huh. that vengeance in this version of Batman that I completely bought into. This is a Batman who hasn't figured out that Bruce Wayne is an important part of the equation yet. Yeah, he's kind of ignoring that yeah. completely yeah. and like given up on that part of him. Yeah. And I also feel like I've been thinking about the his kind of goal and mission of vengeance and everything is at least at the beginning of this film is so selfish yeah. and it's for just pure gain of like he and it really comes through in his character. He's very everyone keeps saying he's very emo, but I don't see it as emo. I don't either. I think that's just because of the eyeshadow and the occasional hair across the face. Yeah. But I really think that's missing the point. I know, totally. I think that's a product of he just doesn't take care of himself. Yeah. This is not a Bruce Wayne that cleans himself up. He doesn't care what he looks like the next day because he's just going to sleep through the day and go back out that night anyway. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, Like, he's completely operating at night and he's like a vampire at this point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So I... I, yeah, I I was totally on board with that that rendition of Batman. Like I I it totally made sense to me, yeah. um, and just the it, it makes such an interesting character arc of like it's such a selfish act that he's doing at this yeah. point, and where it ends up at the end is so satisfying in realizing the like true mission of what he's doing and like the scope of it is is so interesting. Well, and I want to kind of bleed into talking about the Riddler as played by Paul Dano mm-hmm. because that's something that's really interesting because they essentially have the way this screenplay is set up, uh, it's the same drive, it's the same motivation, it's the same goal. It just it, they yep. they slowly come apart as they uh, you know, follow this goal in different ways. Yeah. And let's just go ahead and say spoilers so we can just talk freely. (laughs) Obviously, if you haven't, you know, we loved it. So go watch it and then come back and listen to this. But there is a scene in this movie that is possibly, I'm pretty sure, uh, one of the best acted scenes in any superhero movie, Mm -hmm. much less just in in any drama. There's this scene where uh, the Riddler has been captured and he is uh, in this glass booth, and Batman goes in to see him, and mm-hmm. he starts this speech about Bruce Wayne. Yep. This scene oh is my gosh. hands down one of the most masterful yes. the, plays the of performance and dialogue, where at first you, the audience, and Bruce Wayne yeah. is convinced the Riddler knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And he thinks and the for jig a is up. And solid five minutes. There's even glances where Batman looks up at the security camera because he realizes at any moment this guy's going to out his his identity mm-hmm. and who he is, and the whole thing's going to be done. 
And then the moment he realizes, oh, no, he's just complaining that he didn't kill Bruce Wayne. Yep. He has no idea who I am. And, in fact, he thinks we're the same. He thinks we've teamed up. and We're that, on the same we, mission. We're, we're on we, the same mission. Yeah. And that we've been working together. That whole scene. Yeah. There and, are so many turns yep. where somebody has the upper hand and then somebody else doesn't. And all it is is dialogue. Yep. And uh, Pattinson's performance in that, like, he's tearing up. Yep. And like he knows like he feels like it's over now. It's like done. my life is like the, everything that I've been working for is over. Yeah. And I, like I'm he has no idea what he's going to yeah. do. And that turn is so like I was like th- that's the one of the best yeah. scenes I've seen in a movie. Like just in a movie. Just in a movie. It in was a, it was wa- masterfully done. Yeah. Uh, it was it almost felt Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. But honestly, the way this scene is written, I, it, there's much more going on. In this scene, than something like a classic Silence of the Lambs, or yeah. uh, it's it's that feel, but it just there's so much operating at once, mm-hmm. and nothing is being said directly to it, mm-hmm. and you follow every beat of it, and mm-hmm. it's it's really in the performance, which is kind of amazing because Robert Pattinson plays this Batman silent. Oh my gosh, so low key, yeah, so quiet. Love the Batman voice. Me too. No growl. It's nope. just I'm just gonna whisper. Yep. And in his normal voice. It's not like he's no, lowering it an octave no. or anything. It's just like his normal vi- voice, but a little bit quieter. Yeah. Uh, but he has no need to shout. No. Uh, you know, every, he's got the attention of the room. Yeah. Um, and just so, in, the, in his presence. Yeah. In what, and, and man, they, and the, what they do with that. With the police. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love how the police are reacting to him. And, yeah. and uh, we might, I mean, we'll probably get to it more, but in, the world is so like realistic mm-hmm. and even more so than Nolan. Yeah. Like where just everything feels so natural. It's heightened for sure, but yeah. but it's so like feels natural to what they've built in yeah. in the story. Um that he is su- he comes across as such a freak. Yeah. That like how the police look at him, and when he's like uh, like in the middle of cops, like yeah. just standing there in a standing in a suit. there in a suit, but like and and even like the villains are very naturalistic yeah. too. That he seems like such a freaking yeah. a weirdo, and it's just like that's how it would feel. Yeah. Like this guy is doing this thing where he's dressing up like yeah. a bat. Because this is essentially, I think Matt Reeves even said, this is basically his Batman year two. Yep. Yeah. And it it works that way. This yeah. is somebody that's known, but not understood or respected. He doesn't have a full reputation yet. Yeah. And so... He's still a crazy vigilante. He's just crazy vigilante. Yeah. And why does, uh, you know, Captain Gordon here have such a connection to this guy. Yeah. And then you really that was that was one of the things that I loved. You really got a sense that they have a friendship. Yep. And and there is a convenience to it. They're mm-hmm. helping each other uh essentially from for their careers, but mm-hmm. at the same time there's a genuine respect there for you know, Batman has a genuine respect for for Gordon's ethics. Mm-hmm. And Gordon has a genuine respect for Batman as a uh, as a moral force of nature or right. whatever you want to yeah. call that. Uh, yeah, that goes to that right before he goes to see the Riddler yeah. and he's like, he thinks he thinks it's over. He yeah. thinks that he's going to be outed and he's like, you're a good cop. Yeah. He just, he just, this might be my last thing that yeah. I'm going to say to you before this all falls apart, but I want you to know. Yeah. Uh, almost like he's going off to his death because that would be the death of Batman. Right. Uh, if his identity is revealed, mm-hmm. um, let's let's talk about Paul Dano's Riddler. Okay, and and I'll tell you up top, uh, there is criticism online from a, a small minority that is upset that this is not the fun, jokey Riddler. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sorry, yeah, if your homicidal uh, serial killer who enjoys a riddle is not light enough for you. Right. He doesn't have question marks all over his costume. I'm <laughs> but, sorry. But what version of these trailers made you think at any point you're going to get a – anyway, what would you think of Paul Dano's Riddler? He's, because he, a, he really – he goes for it. He was fantastic. It was exactly what I wanted yeah. out of it. I wanted that prisoner's performance. Yeah. It's it's heightened more than that one. It's heightened more than that. But, like, that's what – he's a creep. Yeah. And he plays a creep so well – 
And I love the angle of he's got this like online community of 500 followers, (laughs) 500 (laughs) followers that he's got message boards and he's like going through his whole plan with them. And it's such like a um, just very real to life of what's been happening in the on the Internet and like 4chan and all that stuff. And it's like feels so real. And it's and I um, also like something like. Okay, he's not the jokey, like, saying stupid riddles, and he's not wearing a silly costume, and he's not Jim Carrey. But they they really work, like, subtle comedy through yeah. this, and naturalistic comedy of, like, yeah. the situation's ridiculous, and and they know how to break that tension in the perfect places. Yeah. So, it for what it is, I think it has enough that, man, I don't want the costume of, a, nope. like, stupid question marks and... It made sense within the world. I want to be afraid of the person. Yes, he's a serial killer. And and at no point <laughs> there were times I would laugh because you know just just objectively the performance goes over the top of over the top. Yeah. But it's done very specifically mm-hmm. to throw you off kilter. Yeah. And and leave it difficult to kind of peg down what this guy's going to do next. And those are honestly those are the best villains to me. Yeah. When especially when you're dealing with with a sociopath mm-hmm. or or somebody that's as as damaged as this guy is, I really felt the tension in those moments. I really didn't know what he was going to do. I really didn't. Um, it it just he felt like a, a caged animal, yeah, uh, lashing out at times, and it was it was genuinely scary when he would just be standing mm-hmm. behind somebody and then suddenly erupt in rage when he would finally attack them. That was so unnerving, yeah, uh, in my brain. Well, and it plays into like he even says it like when he had his mask on, that was his true self. Yeah. So he felt free to be like. Doing like be wild and do whatever he's like has in his head or in, in his in his heart that he feels like is his true self. So like in those moments where he's not masked and he's yeah. very reserved, like of course he's like letting it all out because he feels the freedom to do it and he plays I, it really well. Yeah, I really appreciated too. They didn't give much of an origin story for him. Yeah, it didn't need it. And I, I'm pretty sure it's it's implied. It's definitely not stated. I I think he's the son of the the reporter that they keep talking about. Okay. Um, because he's orphaned and that reporter had been killed, and it's the only person he talks about on recordings and things like that uh-huh. where he's really complimentary. Like okay. this guy was a uh-huh. he he was really out to expose corruption, and that's what he's doing. Yeah. And and maybe it's just. Uh, almost, uh, you know, in a weird, sick way, professional respect. Yeah. But I, I kept thinking they were going to uh, sort of, you know, cross that T, but they didn't. And I appreciated that. I enjoyed that he remained a mystery at the end. He was still this, uh, again, once you take on that level, even if you're talking the real world or a mm-hmm. serial killer, uh, whatever you're dealing with, once somebody takes that kind of power, in society, they really cease to be what anybody can explain or what they would have been. Right. They become this other thing. He becomes the Riddler. Yeah. And what he was before, none of that matters. Right. Even when they're flipping through uh, the the different licenses, just you tell me which one I am. <laughs> I was almost half expecting when what happens at the end, like maybe he wasn't the real one or something, yeah. or like he had. I don't know. He shows up somehow. He was or, just one of the 500. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I really appreciate how he played it. I, yeah. I was on board with it. It's, I love Paul Dano. Yeah. And I just, I like, there's that scene in There Will Be Blood yeah. where uh, he puts on the 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 performance as the- The preacher. The, the preacher when he's up giving the sermon. And mm-hmm. it's so weird and wild and- almost inhuman and he does similar things here mm-hmm. uh and and I think part of that is the the Riddler almost performing for himself for whoever's watching he has an audience yeah yeah he so, has an audience and for the audience. first time he's not just the quiet weird guy yeah he has the ability to not just express but really put into action everything that that upsets him and he's he's getting away with it it's working yeah uh so I I appreciate all that every time I thought this was going to do a, a kind of a standard plot point. I thought, oh, he was hacking into 
Batman's contact cameras and that's why he's known everything and been it doesn't explain any of that. It doesn't it doesn't make those connections that would have just felt chintzy. Right. It just stays as this character study, really. Yeah. It's it's a character study of this vigilante. It's a character study of the working cop. It's a character study of the uh you know, down on her luck, heart of cold vigilante. Yeah. Uh, in Catwoman. It's it's all of these different character beats, and that's where it really worked for me. Yeah. I think like also with Paul Dano in, in the Riddler character, they do give enough background. Yeah. Like, how much more do you need that okay, he was you or- don't. he was orphaned yeah. and he was part of this system that let him down. And that's what I appreciate because comic book movies really go for the explain it to me. Because yeah. comic books always do that. Yeah. Explain it to me. And and I just less is more. Yep. Less is more. And this was just full of that. There was so much restraint mm-hmm. in this movie. I I was genuinely surprised by it because I really thought this would be um overplotted at three hours. And it's oh, not and at all. with the amount of like characters that mm-hmm. it's balancing and it balances them so well and gives them all their beats that they need. And it doesn't try to mix the characters. No. And, and that's something that always happens in past superhero movies where they fall apart when they have a bunch of villains. Mm-hmm. This one just, uh, we're going to the penguin because we're following that clue. Yeah. And now we're following Catwoman because that's part of this investigation. Then we're back to the Riddler because here's our next, uh, similar to Zodiac or seven. Yeah. Here's the next, uh, you know, kind of event that's driving the the case forward. And uh, it's it's simple on the surface. The the whole just leaving cards for Batman, mm-hmm. leaving clues, which means one thing until you realize later, oh no, he's he's thinking that he's essentially teamed up with Batman. Yeah. He's not leaving him notes to tease him or to brag or, or any of it. He's he's leaving these things because they're brothers in arms. Right. And, that and to was get him to, to the me. to the place that he needs him to be yeah. to follow yeah. through with his plan. Now, what did you think of all the different side characters? I 100% love Jeffrey Wright's Commissioner Gordon. Me too. So lived in. Uh, he was great. I really loved Colin Farrell's Penguin. I did too. Uh, a, a good bit of the comic relief. Uh, in this movie is is the penguin. Yeah, but it's and not over the top. Not at all. It's not it, a, it, he feels like just a disfigured mobster and it it works. The makeup really is amazing. Well. <laughs> like I didn't you, you would, would never know if it was someone Colin didn't, Farrell. If someone didn't tell you, yeah. you wouldn't know. Never. I and even seeing it like I don't see him in it. I kept looking for him. Me too. In things and you know, it just cuz you know it's him, but otherwise I would never know that that wasn't just an actor, that that's his his face. Yeah. Um, I, I really loved his performance. Um, uh, Zoe Kravitz. I thought was she was really great. Good. Um, I, I would say, like, right off the bat, like, there's nobody I didn't like in it. Yeah. Yeah. Even, I, even the really small parts, the dirty cops or things like that. I liked Andy Serkis. I bought them all. Oh, Andy Serkis. I, I wish there was more Andy Serkis. Me too. But, but at the same time, it didn't bother me. Yeah. But there's 100% going to be more movies in this universe. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no way this doesn't get a sequel. I know. Uh, and I like that this is essentially a story of three characters, four mm-hmm. if you include Catwoman. But even Catwoman, I think, is more in service of, of the other three. It's, and it's Batman, Commissioner Gordon, and the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Those are the three that I really feel like everything else is is kind of revolving around. I actually genuinely believe the the romance between oh, Catwoman yeah. and oh, yeah. like they actually had a lot of chemistry yeah. and uh so it made it worthwhile like having her there. I I didn't feel like she was an afterthought in any way. Yeah. I enjoyed their relationship a lot. And it got to play up on his he's really socially awkward. Uh-huh. Again, he's not Bruce Wayne. He is not no. used to people. He is this recluse, this vampire, this this vigilante that he doesn't have people skills. He can walk into a room and just beat everyone within an inch of their life. Yeah. But he can't stand there and have a normal conversation. The funeral scene. Oh, yeah. Like he's so awkward in yep. that. And it's so wonderful to watch. Yep. Yep. And and he just doesn't know what to do. But yep. then as soon as he puts the mask on, he's got – He's got drive and purpose. And and that uh, Paul Daniels Riddler is right. They yeah. are very like similar in that way. And that's why I love the the ending revelation, the Me idea too. that they've both been going at using fear to accomplish vengeance. And then he really comes this place. And, and in any other movie, it would have been two on the nose. 
mm-hmm. saying out loud, I realize that uh, it's it's more than fear. There's fear, but I also have to give people hope. Mm-hmm. If they just fear, then I'm only accomplishing half of what I want to accomplish. And I thought that was so well said, and it was done in a way that that wasn't too much. It yeah. was just him getting some survivors oh, yeah. out of a, a, a collapsed – there was no giant comic book thing. No. I was so happy, and I know people will be disappointed that it doesn't go bigger at the end. I thought it was the perfect so amount of big. It, so happy. That's exactly the amount of big I want. They didn't get into nope. some massive, like, over-the-top fight. It was very still grounded in what they've already set up, and it made nope. sense. It was a bigger setting. Yeah. But it, it just raised the stakes on what he had to do yeah. and like and made it much more real for him that like what he is uh, trying to accomplish with what he's doing. Well, let's talk cinematography and and music yeah. because this was this was next on my list. This is a gorgeous flick. Oh yeah. This is stunning. Greg um, Fraser who did Dune and mm-hmm. yep and Let Me In and Rogue One and he's done a bunch of really fantastic gorgeous stuff. movie. It's so and it's, amazing. It's, it, it, this is one of the darkest films I've seen. But when I've seen other movies that are super dark, you can't see what's going on and it just feels dark. This is using shadow and light very very cleverly. Oh yeah. And it's using it in a way that reveals exactly what needs to be mm-hmm. seen and and it's giving you that sense of of weight and that there's no escape and it it feels claustrophobic. The darkness makes it feel the darkness inescapable. But it also allows him and and Matt Reeves to play with the light that they yeah. are giving. And they when they do that, they they're using it so wisely and interestingly. Like they, and they're using like blur and out of yeah. focus um camera lenses and and in such interesting way. Like the 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 car chase scene is so beautiful in how it's done because it's all being shot through these rainy windows and it's showing giving all these weird fractured lighting. It's and not it's, about the car chase, it's no. about the confusion of the penguin trying to get away yeah. and the the intensity of Batman pursuing him at all costs and adjusting the things on the fly. And, and you really feel that sense of of speed and you can't see what's coming And ahead. it's claustrophobic yeah. too, like the rest of the film, because yeah. it's all in this really heavy traffic, yeah. in, which is really interesting. And, it, and it's very um, real world traffic. It's not um, like, uh, I don't know, it would have been heightened in some way in one another different Batman movie yeah. where I don't know. Nothing opened up for them. This no. felt almost like the car chase in Ronin yeah. or French Connection yeah. or and and I get that it it definitely wasn't uh that realistic, but it it still had that feel of these are people that are endangering actual other people right? on the road. I know. Um and and there was just intensity in that because you know Batman is trying to preserve life, and here he is chasing this guy that doesn't care about life. Mm-hmm. And you're watching trucks flip and all this, <laughs> and it has a weight. It's oh, not it has just so much weight. Those trucks <sighs> falling over. Yep. Like, oh my gosh. But did you find yourself like, oh man, Batman later is going to be upset that that driver in that truck definitely died? <laughs> it just seems like he's the not that he's going to sit around and mope, but, but he would uh, he'd he be would, aware of yeah. that collateral damage. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, gorgeous. And then this score yeah. uh, is so driving, and mm-hmm. it's used in so many different ways. It reminded me of the Jaws theme, mm. where it could be soft, and you know something's coming, and then it could just blare, and and that car chase, that don, 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 is just, yeah. man, uh, it was so great. It's so, like, iconic and classic yeah. sounding. Like, I feel like there hasn't been, like, like the um, Nolan films, I mean, it had um, Hans Zimmer doing yep. it, and his was much more like atmospheric and like um, it didn't have melody. To it didn't it. have, there, and that's yeah. a problem with a lot of scores these days. I've had this conversation with my brother-in-law, who is a like music teacher, and he loves like the old, you know, like the Jaws, like the old Star Wars themes and everything, um, and uh, that are very melodic and. I um, was really happy. This one has such a very iconic, like, it almost feels like he's ripping something off, but yeah. it's not. No, not and, at all. And and that's such a compliment, like, that it feels like it has existed. Yeah. That's cool. Well, and that's, you know, cinematography and, and the score combined, the only times you get lightness in this movie 
are, I'd have to watch it again, but two, maybe three rooftop scenes between Batman and Catwoman. But it's always dawn or always. or dusk yep. because the night is over after yep. they've been out all night. And yep. it, yeah, it makes so much sense. And and that's the this this movie is is operating and I man, if you didn't enjoy this movie, this all sounds like hyperbole, <laughs> I guess. But I'm I'm a hundred percent serious. I don't even feel like I'm exaggerating. It really felt poetic at times. Yeah. Where it was you really using visuals and and audio cues and just silent performance moments mm-hmm. or explosive performance moments to to not just tell the story, but to really let it sing or or sit there on the screen or have an effect. I know. And they also do it in like the world building of like where the bat cave is. Yeah. And it's like in the old subway tunnel. And it's just like it's showing. Yeah. And the same thing with Pattinson's performance is like he's not saying a lot, but it's all on his face and his body language. And yeah. and it's very um I love a movie that can do that and yeah. pull it off and make it feel, I don't know, just very natural in that we don't have to say everything. Yeah. Well, and for for as much as Christopher Nolan went out of his way to ground his Batman movies, this is grounded much more. Yeah. Uh, there's very, very little. At most, the the um the, the full bulletproof nature, maybe, of Batman's armor uh, is the only thing that comes borderline close to feeling a little unrealistic at times. But, but then it, by the end, end, it takes a shotgun blast to the chest. It puts him down. I know. You think he's out. Um, he's he's having a hard time getting back up. Yeah. Um, and so it just – everything. And in the third act especially, even when, okay, here comes the big plan and here comes the big – which they've done in Batman movies mm-hmm. before. And then suddenly we're in a subway and, uh, you know, water's exploding into poisonous vapor all over the place. Or, uh, right. you know, you there's th- a camera system that can tap into everybody's cell phone and none of that. I know. You think back it. on the Batman Begins and how, like, they were trying to make that so real yeah. world. And you think back on, like, the Scarecrow and, like, that whole plan and everything. And it feels it feels so comic booky yeah. compared to this now. I'm really interested because he's already – Matt Reeves has already said he would love to do a grounded version of Mr. Freeze. And now I, I am I'm, particularly, what is your version of Mr. Freeze yeah, in this sure. world? Because so much of this is well thought out and so much of it is is meticulously constructed to make it uh, hard to separate from reality. And, yeah, there are comic book things in it. There's a guy in a bat suit working with the police. It's patently ridiculous. And it feels – and that's – But like, he plays to that. I know. And <sighs> it always feels like he – like I said, he feels like a weirdo in the middle of this like sea of cops. And he feels like the outsider and he plays it like he's the outsider. They're And they're full on ready to arrest him. Oh, that yeah. That second full scene that yeah. he's with the cops. And I love that and him having to navigate with, with Gordon to get out of there uh, because I, he – if Gordon doesn't help him – He's done. He's unmasked. There's so many times in this movie legitimately where this vigilante is going to be unmasked Mm -hmm. and and just narrowly stays ahead. I really like – I don't know if it's that same scene, but he's in the police station and he has to escape throughout to the roof. And when he's about to jump – and like the fear on his face that like he he's still fresh like he's year 2 yeah. so he's like probably not done this very much and it's not even a sleek fancy he has to zip it up and it's it's a it's it, a it's a glider it's suit it's a glider suit yeah it's a realistic glider suit mm-hmm. and it was it, it threw me off at first cuz i'm like this doesn't look cool and then <laughs> yeah, as he's exactly. flying along i'm like Oh, yeah, that's the point. This yeah. doesn't look cool. Yeah. He's a human being jumping off a building. There's only so many ways you can do that. And what exactly. you aren't worried about is looking cool. Right. When You're you just do it. trying to just survive the jump. And then his <laughs> hurtling down through yeah. traffic. That I, hit he takes is so, it felt so yeah. weighted and real. Yeah. This is a Batman that at every turn, he gets up and limps a little. Yeah. <laughs> I love when he shows up to the funeral and he's got a black eye. Yeah. And it's just like. (laughs) Nobody's asking the rich kid why. Yeah. Yeah. The rich weird kid. Why does he have a black eye? That's another thing that that reminded me of. I I love the little. There are such subtle character beats in here when he's talking with Catwoman 
And whatever he says, she's just like, you obviously grew up rich. And she doesn't even understand how profound of, of a truth she stumbled onto. Right. <laughs> and, and the way he reacts to it, he's uh-huh. like, oh, I said too much. It's yeah. that kind of those subtle little moments. This movie just feels so organic. There's there's no character that makes a decision that doesn't make sense to me. Yep. It it all flowed, and you can feel them ricocheting off of each other. Mm-hmm. I I loved. He sends Catwoman into the club spy style, and he's got it all under control till he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and it just it it went right along with his character. Went right along with her character. Yep. How you know. he's introduced to her, yep. it flowed like it was a perfect introduction yep. to her. He's on the case, and he just ends up meeting this woman who, yep. oh, she happens to be kind of doing the same thing I'm doing yep. um, at a different level and a different goal. Yep. Um, I also really liked the—it's um, just like a, a very um, short mention of how he started out, and I love that it's like Alfred— taught him how to fight and yeah. everything. And he's using his spy training to teach him. And rather than yeah. this whole backstory of him going off to um, like the Alps to yeah. study with these monks or whatever, and yeah. it's just like, yeah, of course, he's this spy and he's going to teach him what he needs to know to yeah. do this. Yeah. I just, uh, I could I could probably go on and on at length about every single thing. I, I genuinely enjoyed it. Is, is there anything you didn't like? No, this is exactly what I wanted out of yep. the Batman movie. That's, I, I was really racking my brain because I was thinking anybody that listens to this is just going to feel like this is just gushing praise and we didn't pay attention. I was having a really hard time thinking of something, even like the flight suit, which I don't like the look of. That's the point. Yeah, I and, instantly when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's a real like yeah, glider suit. Yeah. And it made so much sense, yeah. and, and especially to the world. The only thing that at the time I was like getting a little iffy about was when it gets to the uh, arena. And like I was afraid it was at the end, the whole end yeah. sequence. I was like, oh, great. This is where it gets really big and outlandish. And it, and it didn't do nope. anything that I was like hoping it wouldn't do. It, no. it felt real to the he thing. He sets off some bombs. Floods the city, not dramatic. I mean, not uh, comic book style. No, it's just what would happen. Yeah, if you had walled off seawater that you blew up, it, it's what would happen in a city. Um, you know, it's it's waist deep, but it's not shocking. It's it's tragic. You can tell, man, people are getting hurt. People are probably yeah. dying. Yeah, this is a bad thing. But it's it's a very conceivable level terrorist threat. For sure, and it, I love that it it was in that moment of where Batman thinks he's finally done with the Riddler yeah. and he's ahead of him, but yeah. he he was always kind of one step behind, and it and it played out in, in that way really interestingly that he he didn't stop the terrorist yeah. attack, yeah. and now he has to deal with it in a very real way, and and I love they use it as a very interesting character moment to realize that like he is this is much bigger than him and this has been a selfish act this entire time for his own means but now he has to do it for the good of the city and these people there's two beats for that too when he first reaches out his hand and the only one that takes his hand in the water is the kid yeah because everybody else is just as scared of him yeah and then it takes the mayor elect kind of going with him and then, you know, it's only a few minutes later, but you get this scene where he's bringing this girl to a stretcher and she doesn't want to let him go. Mm-hmm. And it's morning. And that moment was so – you could see it on his face. You could hear it in the the narration, which I, I like how it was a bookended narration. Yeah. It wasn't clear throughout, um, but it it did a really good job of, of setting uh, the beginning and then bringing it to an end. But the way she wouldn't let go of him mm-hmm. uh, was was so representative in that moment, I think, of that idea of Gotham needs hope. Yep. Yes, the criminal element needs fear. I'm going to use that, but it needs hope. And I almost guarantee you the arc is, uh, maybe second, possibly even third movie, is that Bruce Wayne, the persona, is the hope end of Batman. Uh-huh. And he's going to realize Okay, being the the billionaire that takes care of the city on that end is what gives people hope. And then I can operate in fear as Batman, and those two things together 
are the way to actually help the city, helping from both both sides. Yeah, and that would go to with um, the mayor elect saying that you haven't been doing any exactly. philanthropic like acts by giving yeah, to oh, charities. Bruce Wayne, look yeah, like you haven't been doing anything, up. and that he needs to find that side of himself. Yeah. I think the also the. Um, the, the little boy, the son of the previous mayor who gets killed at the beginning, they use that so well as a device to show his past self and his kind of origin story yep. in a subtle way throughout. And rather than having to show the whole backstory again, they use that as this little yep. element so well. And I, I really appreciated that. I, I don't in any way think they're saying that kid is like, there's going to be a Robin no, in part no, three no, and no. it's that kid. But that's the idea. In yeah. this world... That's where a Robin or another superhero or whatever, Vigilante, that's where they would come from. It's that being inspired by Mm -hmm. and connecting to somebody and realizing the good they've done in your life. That kid can grow up in not necessarily superhero. Just that's that's that element of hope. Yeah, or Um, maybe some like element of government or something where he uses that as a guiding point for his career. I love – I read an interview with Matt Reeves mm-hmm. that specifically asked him about the uh, the political satire at mm. work here, which seems really direct. But then you piece it together and you realize, no, this movie was written uh, three, maybe even four years ago. Oh, yeah. And that's what he's talking about. He's, he's like, it's sort of just accidentally – came into and he's referencing QAnon and and all of these extremist groups, the movie almost feels like it's it's giving you a a morality tale about the danger of that and and how, as a country, you have to respond to get rid of that. And it feels like it's talking about the current American divide Mm -hmm. by the end of this movie, but it wasn't intended that way. Right, yeah. It just sort of, when you explore those themes... That's what it came to. And I thought that was so interesting that that a, a piece of art that well constructed just happens into pieces of reality that it didn't even mean to happen into. It was right. almost predictive. I know. Kind of the same way like <sighs> so Veep cool. kind of like yep. stumbled onto like we're lining up very like closely to what's actually happening right now. We never thought t- we were being absurd. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. They've surpassed us. Yeah. Yeah. So so I love that idea. And I, I love the idea that uh, – that, they just took that much time with the story, with the elements they had at the time, and it developed into a cautionary tale about what we're seeing, you know, three years later. Mm-hmm. I'm, I was totally affected by this movie. There, were, yeah. I can't remember the exact moment, but there was a moment where I was like almost tearing up. It was like towards the end. Like I don't know if it was like when Catwoman was leaving or something, but it was just like I was totally on board. For like, me, I mean, I almost got teary-eyed that shot where it's it's an overhead shot. And he's walking through the water with yeah, the flare. It might have been that. And and you see uh, you know one or two, and then just this stream of people following him. Mm-hmm. And it was the in in every other situation when he's been standing around in costume, everybody doesn't know what to do and what to to do with him. And and he kind of doesn't seem to know yeah. what to do. It's very awkward. This was the first moment where it feels like he's leading and people are following him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, it was just such a beautiful moment. And then you pair that with that little girl that wouldn't let go of his arm. Yep. And I just – I really felt something. Yeah, me too. For this movie. I think my only negative, only negative, <laughs> and man, I hate to even breathe it, is I wish the scene between the Riddler and Joker was an after credit scene. Oh, yeah. I think that broke up the – uh, I, I forget where it comes exactly, but I remember thinking that I wish it hadn't been in the middle of the two scenes it was in the middle of. Well, I also had um, listened to a little interview with Matt Reeves, mm-hmm. and he was talking about that scene. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that they've tried to take that out numerous times, mm-hmm. but it completely affects that whole end. Like you see that whole end in a different way. Um, and it, and so he they couldn't take it out. There was actually a earlier scene with the Joker. I read about that and one. that he yeah. they did take out where he goes to him almost Hannibal Lecter style. Yes, to get an idea of of how to find the rhythm. Yeah, he was kind of like profiling yeah. with him. Yeah. Um, but he tried to take it out, but hmm. and they had many cuts where they did, but it completely changes the end of the movie. It's one of those. I I want to wait until I see it a second time, but I want to see exactly what the scene was before and after, and then think about it. I, it was just one of those in the moment. 
I thought when it switched to that, oh, the movie's over, and then it switched back, and it, I think it did a little too much where it threw me off. And I was probably – I was distracted because I was too busy trying to figure out what the Joker looked like oh. <laughs> in silhouette. And um, I don't – Barry Keegan, the yes. guy from – Yeah, I – So He said happy. he, he – um, he's not sure if they're actually going to do anything with yeah. the Joker – but I, that was an inspired choice. Yeah. Like if they end up doing it, they have yep. the perfect person. But I, I didn't mind it because I, I, I liked it because he's viewing his – like the fruit of his labor out through the window and seeing – feeling like he's lost. And yep. then he's kind of inspired again by this other criminal. I, I like that. I In retrospect, I do – one of the things I liked about that scene was that it um, – in the comics, you always have this idea of the bad guys being friends almost yeah. and teaming up, and this gives it more of a, a real-world um, yeah, yeah. origin for that idea. Not yeah. necessarily there's going to be a Riddler-Joker team up. Right. That would be ugh. But um, <laughs> just the idea that, yeah, two people in an insane asylum that were both put away by yeah. Batman uh-huh. and that are watching Gotham and seeing how things are, are working – uh, yeah, yeah. I can see them striking up a conversation and having a bond over that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that idea is interesting to me. Yeah. So, um, but that was, I mean, even that, that's one of those things I suspect that watching it back, I'll be fine. I'm not even upset about it. It was just yeah. one of those, would that have worked better as kind of a mid credit stinger? Um, you know, not even you have to sit through the whole credits, just mm-hmm. give me a minute of credits and then drop it or at the very end of the movie. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I got to watch it again. Yeah. It didn't bother me. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, that's that's kind of my my long and short of it. <laughs> I don't know. I love this movie. Yeah. I can't wait to see it again. Yeah. I was really excited about it. Now, I did ask you, and, and you've already told me, but I want to talk about it again. Did this feel like a three-hour movie to you? Nope. No. I could have easily taken another hour. Yep. I was so invested in every element yep. of it. Um yep. Uh, this is this is a Gotham I'm fine spending time in. Yeah, and I want to meet. I wanted to meet more characters in this world. I wanted to walk down the hallway of Arkham and see yep. who else was in some some rooms. I wanted to go back to the hospital with Alfred or back to the mansion. I wanted to. There was just there was a lot there. Yeah, um, man, I loved the mansion. I loved how gothic it was. Yeah. It was, and no wonder he's such a weirdo. His parents have him living in this yeah. gothic castle that, like, um, Rasputin should be in. That is one other thing I didn't like. Let me <laughs> let me mention this. But I didn't like it in the moment, and then afterwards, when I thought about it, I love it, and it makes total sense. Yeah, when he goes back to the mansion. After mm-hmm. Alfred's in the hospital, and he pushes this giant table out of the way and dramatically spray paints on the floor and lays down pictures, and it's his his serial killer mystery map. Yeah. I thought it was, in the moment, so ridiculous that he's going to paint on his floor. But then it occurred to me a few scenes later, because I'm still thinking about it, oh, yeah, he's this rich kid that's never—he would not think to go get a pen and paper. No. <laughs> This guy would 100%. Like Alfred would clean this up. <laughs> this kid would 100% shove that table out of the way and spray paint a giant circle yeah. on the, you know, million-dollar mahogany floor. Uh, so in retrospect, it 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 was one of those things where there's no way they didn't realize that. This is, this is just part of him. He doesn't care about his stuff. He doesn't care about the floor. He doesn't yeah. care about the mansion. Uh, you know, he's trying to figure out. This mystery, yeah, and uh, I love that. Um, I just, meant Nosferatu, not Rasputin. Oh, yeah. just, just. I got you. I don't care. I, I was just going with it. <laughs> I um, was too. And then uh, the only other thing I want to kind of come back to is the detective angle of things. Yeah. Uh, I cannot overstate how well uh, sort of constructed the mystery is. And yeah, the clues I was totally. And, the, and and what he does to follow the clues, mm-hmm. it's it's not very gadgety. No, uh, no, I think the most gadgety it gets are those contact lenses. And I really like that. I found those super cool. Me too. Um, Especially the look of it on the screen. It was the very round, low tech. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. super futury. It and felt they, real. And how he uses that with the scene with Catwoman, yeah. and that plays into that and adds yeah. to the tension it's an of it. earpiece and a and a camera. And it makes sense if like Alfred's taught him all this spy sure, craft work. Sure. 
Yeah. And it's like he's handed this down to him, and like, yeah, it's so cool. But he's not busting capsules. He's not, uh, you know, pulling something out of the utility belt that just happens to work for the moment. The most use he gets out of that batarang on his chest is to saw through a rope. <laughs> you know, even that is just a very practical, like, this is a good place to put a knife. I also, yeah, and he uses it to like go through the police tape yeah, or something. Yeah. And I love that shot of him like walking into frame and it's just his chest and he puts it on. Puts and it back it, on. Yeah, and it's like, like, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's just a like, nice little touch. Very, very practical. And I think something I, I, I was feeling at the time and I was like, what was really grabbing me too and and lines up with something else I've been really, like I really enjoyed was the Bond movies, mm-hmm. the Daniel Craig Bond movies. Mm-hmm. And it had that, it made me feel like, Somehow there's this, not like they're in the same world, but there's like the same like attention to making it feel like a plausible thing. And it gave me that feeling and I I really enjoyed that. Did you know that shot? I love the shot where he, it's completely dark and he walks in the hallway and it's only lit by the gunfire. Oh, yeah. That's a practical shot. They did that sequence practically and captured it in camera. <sighs> That's incredible to me. I know. That... Um, <sighs> That's, I just I couldn't believe it. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I was something I wanted to say earlier, but all of the fight sequences yeah. are fantastic yeah. in that usually in a movie like this that would be so dark, you wouldn't be able to tell what the moves are. Yeah. Like, but you can clearly see every action yeah. so well and it's so well choreographed and the use of lighting is perfect in yeah. the moment that you can see the the fight scenes. Yeah. And it never feels blurry or like they're never trying to do a handheld camera thing. Or it, it feels like you can follow the action. And I really appreciated that. This was the most believable Batmobile, too. Oh, it was fantastic. I love this Batmobile. Me too. And every bit of it. And and you see him working on it. You see it in yep. the background. The engine and torn apart. Yeah, yeah. And when he finally brings the thing out oh. and it does that wail, <laughs> yeah. you can tell you designed this engine just to sound scary. I know. Yeah, but it still feels completely real, mm-hmm. uh, and and I I just love it. They it's actually an electric car, the one that they used on set, uh-huh. um, but they they use these uh, hydraulics or, or some sort of mechanism to make it look like it's breathing. Oh right! Uh, when when the engine is rumbling, it felt like to me like one of I what, what is like the Stephen King horror class. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt yeah. like in that moment, Christine, one of, Christine yeah. or one of those classic car comes yeah. to life horror movies in yeah. that moment, where it's just like this is the beast that is going to kill us all, and yeah. it was so great. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I I'm sure I'll think of 18 more things oh, we too. should have talked about, but I yeah. just. I genuinely love this movie. And that's um, coming from me. Like I don't I, know, I, I know. don't like superhero movies. And but I've always I I think I always will have a soft spot in my heart for Batman. Like that's my my thing with this superheroes. just grounded everything yeah. and it also at the same time honestly it felt the most comic book of yeah. of any it, it was truer to its source than I think any other uh, comic movie I've seen, uh, and that's yeah. you know all of the the colorful, pretty uh, faithful ones from Marvel. This one just felt like one of the long Halloween stories yep. or the Hush story, just because those are are really oppressively dark too, mm-hmm. and it just felt like they pulled that off the page and put it up there. And yeah, there's no Killer Croc or anything like that, but. Uh, I, I think they chose their elements wisely. Yeah, I do too. Um, and, you know, if you ever want to put some weird mutant in there, you got Andy Circus. He can do some mocap. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm assuming you would recommend this. Uh, oh, gladly. Okay. I, well, there you go. I mean, I, it was everything I wanted it to be. Like, I've been wanting a, like, I love the um, Batman the animated series. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up with that. And that was always my Batman. Like, I never really read the comics that much or anything because my parents were really protective and I couldn't get comic books. But uh, that was the one thing I could get. And I always loved that. And this is the, like, it got that feeling that I wanted from it. I hope some people at Marvel are paying attention because not every movie needs to go super big and yeah. super explosive and and all these things. It's really about character and mm-hmm. stakes. And this had character and stakes. There's really not, I mean, probably the most expensive looking scene is that car chase. And even that, 
And I feel like they probably just use a lot of really yep. good trickery to do that because they're doing it so much through the windows mm-hmm. and the performances of the actors that mm-hmm. like I, I wouldn't be surprised that there really wasn't that much to that. It reminded me of the the scene in First Man with Ryan Gosling uh-huh. where uh, he's in the rocket when it takes yes. off. And it stays yeah. in the cockpit with him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go outside and show you the wide shot. It doesn't—you feel the rattle of the the rocket and, and yeah. all of that from his perspective. And this car chase felt like— And using like, sound to make it feel bigger yep. and— this car chase felt like Batman, Penguin, Batman, Penguin. Yeah, we got to show one shot so you know they turn onto a highway, but then Batman, Penguin, Batman, Penguin. Yeah, and it made it so much more effective, like kind of seeing it blurry throughout yeah. the windows and like it felt much more dangerous. Oh, it just the whole time I kept waiting for one of them to get smashed to bits. I know. Just yeah. because, oof. Especially after, because that's right after you're introduced to the final Batmobile, mm-hmm. and you know, like, this thing is a monster, and <laughs> well, <laughs> you don't and know what's going to happen. Number four of the 87 things I forgot to talk about, because these are all just flooding into my mind. Yeah. The fact that he has to stand there after using the grappling hook and reload it down into his sleeve again. <laughs> it's it's such a, like, it doesn't look cool at all. No, no, Because no. he has to stand there and reset his device. Mm-hmm. But... It just it makes total sense. Yeah. And yeah, you'd have to you'd have to put that away instead of sitting there with a spike out of your arm. And <laughs> I, I just those those little details really sold him in this world to me. And I don't I don't care how he made his armor. I don't care how he put his costume together. I don't care how he put the Batcave together. You know, other movies have done that. Just get to the Batman. I don't need to reorigin his origin story. No. Uh, and all that. Just, uh, I, I really appreciate it. Me so. too. Good flick. Yeah. I'm excited to watch it again. Me too. Yeah. I probably won't go see it in the theater, but you said it comes out on HBO Max. And yeah, I think they said it was like 45 days okay. after. Yeah. I, I guess will. because everyone, they were all throwing a fit because the numbers were going to be down from seeing it in the theater. You know, like they did with yeah. Dune where they're showing yeah. it. It makes sense. Yeah. This actually, now that you mentioned Dune, it hadn't even occurred to me, but these are, these are kind of nice sister Warner Brothers movies, Dune and, and the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why I think that, but... Same director of cinematography? Well, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> one was real brown, one was real black. One, uh, that sounded terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's not take that out of context and like yeah. somebody <laughs> just isolate that <laughs> little line and just throw it up online for for the fun of that one. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I highly recommend this. It was I just I was thoroughly invested in it, and honestly, um, I'm sure somebody will complain about too many endings at the end because it it deals with a lot of wrap up. But uh, they could have given me more. I've the whole I movie was could have been more. With, I was fine. Yeah. I love the pace of it. Me too. It's great. Uh, it was it was like a bunch of little mini mini uh, episodes. It it almost felt like a series. You were just watching it at once in mm-hmm. the best way. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the Batman according to Clinton Kin. Yeah, and so it's uh, all right. It's all, it's all right. It's all right. It's just fine. It's okay. Fine. It's fine. It's all right. I mean, that's you know my final word. It was, it was a movie. If Cody Schmidt McPhee was in, it would have been better. <laughs> Yeah, all right. I could see him coming in as a character. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, all right. Uh, this has been uh, Cinebabble's take on the Batman. Uh, hope You're you enjoyed. Welcome. You're welcome. We put this together. Yeah, do that. <laughs> I almost said we put this together, not you. <laughs> sounded really like, man, what a jerk. Man, you really gone downhill in the last couple yeah. minutes of this podcast. That's, you know, what are you going to do? I don't know. All right. So uh, can't wait to hear uh, uh, what uh, – I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to say uh, we're going to have episode 50 here coming up soon. We've been talking about it for a while. I'm excited to uh, see how that one goes. Yeah, so we're going to be answering some questions, I guess, yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah. lots of questions. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you, as always, for listening. You can find us at uh, cinebabblecast.com, and you can also find us at Cinebabble on Instagram. You can message us at either place and uh, let us know if we're doing a good job. Um, and if you just think we're doing a bad job, you know. Don't tell us. What are you listening to this <laughs> podcast for? Go listen to something else. Go Nobody's live your making life. you. Jeez, men for men. All right. Uh, <laughs> joke that will never die. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Clint, a pleasure as always. Yes, Ken. Goodbye. <laughs> it's very formal. <laughs> yes, Ken. Goodbye. Goodbye, Ken.